Super Talk Mississippi media production. Taylor Swift is coming to New Orleans, and Margaritaville Resort Biloxi and Super Talk are giving away a free pair of tickets. For your chance to win, go register now at Margaritaville Resort Biloxi and get your name in for the final drawing from Margaritaville and Super Talk 103.1. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Weekend Gardening. Thanks so very, very much to Good gardener, that gardening guy, Tim Burris, for being here last week while I was away. I'm happy to tell you that he has offered his services again and will come back again. <laughs> Sometimes people don't want to do that. Now, the good news is, for you bird friends, um, Ken Hackman, of course, will be around as well come fall when he gets back into the country. Wowie zowie, so many people to thank, so many things um, to, to worry about, so many things to do. Hmm, where to begin? Where to begin? Well, this is Weekend Gardening, and this is the place we get the opportunity to talk about the green world. I've got lots of ideas. You've got lots of ideas and questions, too. So why don't we put those two things together? The Super Talk call line is 888-808-8637. The C Spire text line is 601-879-4395. I encourage you to use both of those. And, you know, sometimes you just can't get enough mama or you really want to talk about your garden in specific and, and I hope, the fall vegetables that you're intending to grow. Well, you got a couple of chances coming up. That's right. In the, the sweet town of Flowood at Lakeland Yard and Garden, I will be happy to enjoy your company on the two Saturdays in August, July, uh, August 13 and August 20. Now, today's July 29th when I'm speaking. So put those dates on your calendar so you don't forget. All right. I know there's a lot going on. I know. But if we don't take action right now, you'll be calling me in late September and October saying, can I plant fall tomatoes now? And I'll be having to say, no. (laughs) But if we talk in August, there are a lot of things that we can do that will give us the opportunity to improve our plates, our palates, and frankly, our health this fall. It's one of those things I, I can't imagine At this point in time, I'm happy to say it's been years since I did not have fresh thyme, fresh oregano, fresh parsley, fresh basil, any herb that I wanted to use, but particularly those tend to be my favorites, and a bay tree. You may want to talk about that. You may want to talk about what's the last day I can possibly plant X, Y, or Z in the, in the, the summer type crops or even the fall type crops. Which ones can I plant month after month all the way up until it's freezing? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Lakeland Yard and Garden on August 13th and August 20th, and we're going to have lots of fun, 11 a.m. both days. So you can see I'm going to leave right here from the radio studio and go straight out there. I'll be eating my breakfast in the truck on my way. (laughs) Bring a bottle of water. We might talk for a while. Now, let me ask you a question. What's in bloom at your place? Yeah, you know where I'm going. It it's uh, it's almost August and the big show. I have I have 
night blooming cereus that do bloom a little sooner. And for those of you who are listening from South Louisiana, South Mississippi, South Alabama, I know y'all have had them in bloom for weeks, but it takes a little bit longer here in Zone 8 where I live. But the good news is that August is the big month. I almost tend to associate them with hurricane season because I do have quite a few that I've propagated after things got knocked over and broken. You end up with leaves, so you plant some more. But the first of this next group is uh, is about to, is in bloom today, and that means that the other ten buds that are on it will come along shortly. Perhaps the bigger news is that I have a really beautiful baby, the um, the, the baby series, night blooming series, that I actually grew from a cutting, and I don't know which one it is. It's got one bud on it, so we'll we'll see which which one it turns out to be. For those of you who cultivate these things, you know there's some that are more fragrant than others and more doubled up in flower. There's some like the one that I like that's that's the hooker eyes, the, the technical name for it, um, or hooker serious, because it blooms until I'm having coffee in the morning. It doesn't stop at 4 a.m. <laughs> that lets me see it a little bit before the day gets started, and that's fun, too. Um, oh, my goodness. I really appreciate that y'all are just sending things in this morning on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Uh, John, I think you're right. That That is absolutely beautiful. Uh, colors like that are hard to find. So many things on the table today. If you are... If you just say to yourself, I don't care about any of that. I don't plant anything but mustard and turnips and collards in the fall. Well, all right then, go ahead and go out and prepare your soil right now. Why not? Um, it's a good idea to do that because you're going to want to be planting here in just a very few weeks. And it might rain. It might You might get busy. Things Conditions might change. And while you can do that kind of work, that's fine too. But there's so many more things we can grow beginning right now and running straight through good grief, October in some cases. Um, I'm thinking about one of the sweetest things that I ever saw were radishes planted in October in a school garden and presented, because, you know, they don't take but about 30 days from seed to come up. And they were given to the teachers basically as corsages before they went home for Thanksgiving. That's nice. It's odd, but it's very nice. Oh, and by the way, the pickled radishes turned out to be great. I'm glad that whoever had such a bumper crop had it because I was able to get some for almost nothing. And I have a big jar of uh, pickled radishes now, which have just been delicious. You know, I like cherry tomatoes. And the two things together have just the right amount of sweet and bite that to, to please me. One of the questions that always happens uh, around this, this world is... Uh, well, what if it doesn't rain? Well, what if it does? Those are the questions we always ask. And on this particular day, it looks to me like most of the southeast is getting some rain. We've not all had some. For those of you who had it last night, it was dry at my house. Um, but I will tell you that the good news is most things are doing well. The limelight hydrangeas, particularly everywhere I've been in the last couple of weeks, they've just been beautiful. And I don't have any problems telling you that that's a plant you need and hopefully in your front garden so everybody else can see it too because they're lovely um but i do have lots of colors because the weather has been so hot and dry the flowers on my french hydrangeas the, the mop heads the big round ones those have really begun to put on some odd colors i've got shades of purple and brown and all kinds of things i don't know if i'm gonna leave them on or not 
there, the plants are a little bit large and do need to be pruned, and this really is the time. Summertime is really the time to do that after the flowers have, have continued for a, a few weeks after they first bloom. That's a really important thing to remember, I believe, at this time of year. Maybe even more important is the fact that it's time to prune roses. The remontant or reblooming roses are the first ones that you think of, and, and that comes to mind immediately. That means, for example, um, I have Clotilde Super, I have uh, Caldwell Pink that I need to prune. You know, I've got several that, that bloom almost all the time. In the case of those, I'm just going to take off the, be sure that I deadhead them properly, but deadhead them a little bit deeper. And if I've got a couple where there's one cane shooting off two feet, you know, off to the right, there's no reason for that one. So I will cut it down a little bit more. But always right above a five-fingered leaflet when you're cutting back roses. So then you end up having the opportunity for more flowers to come on, and they will this fall. If you want to fertilize your roses that you have just recut, oh, and you can cut other ones down more, by the way. And, of course, if you're growing standard tea roses, you should. But if you if you want to fertilize, you can. But as soon as new buds are set, I would advise stopping. That that fall flush of flowers is spectacular, but sometimes it is followed pretty quickly by cooler weather. And, you know, you don't want a whole lot of lushy green coming up on those roses that can be nipped by any early frost or even early big cold weather. You don't need that. So fertilize, but only up until the buds are set, okay? You got any questions about roses? Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven. Um, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you. He's glad I'm back. I'm glad I'm back too. That's fun. And by the way, for those of you who've been, y'all send me the funniest emails. At, at Mama on air at yahoo.com is always available to you. It is particularly available to you for garden questions. But those of you who inquire about other things, it's, it's very kind of you. Um, yes, my truck is fixed. I believe a couple of weeks ago I made the noise it was making here on the air. <laughs> Y'all were kind enough to give me some suggestions. It turns out I was right. Um, but I, no, I have not gotten the air conditioner fixed, and I won't. So just, just that's, you can stop asking me that one. I appreciate it. Y'all are hilarious, though. Anytime I get a handful or more of emails about one subject, I know that perhaps I've talked about it too long. So I won't talk about the truck anymore. <laughs> I, do, I do want you to plan ahead, and that's part of the idea of, when can I plant beets? When can I plant radishes? How often can I plant them? When can I, when do I need to stop planting them? And all of that really does relate to your zone. So that's another subject that I would like for you to understand about. If you want to know more about where you live and what zone you're in, the USDA growing zone maps will be a great help to you. Or you can send me an email and I'll be happy to send you my, basically my, my fall garden info about zones. I've got several different pieces about um, fall garden gardening, but that's one of them. I got a, a, a question the other day that asked me, did I remember when um, I wrote a story about a greenhouse that was a gift that was promised for many years, and when finally delivered, the next question was, okay, now what do I do? And both of those, those are, yes, I do remember it, first of all, and it was a very sweet story. It, it was about our, our former governor and his wife, that the, uh, the Winters were, were very sweet and shared that with me. And it was a lovely greenhouse, too, when he finally got it built. But the next, the question is always, what's next? And the answer is a potting shed. So if you've already got the greenhouse, 
you may want to go a few feet away from it so you don't block the sun, or you may want to add on to the front or the back of it. But yes, you do need that. And it, the, both of those things, you know, there there is a day that comes somewhere somewhere between now and the end of hurricane season. Um, there there comes a day when conditions change a little bit, things are cooler, and you even may may want to go put on a sleeve, you know. And at that point. You want somewhere to put your tender plants. You want someplace to start some seeds for something else. Maybe you're getting ready to do collards or whatever at that point. In the cool weather, you know, collards are one of those things that really do need cooler weather. So I don't have any problem with waiting to plant them after the mustards and turnips, but that's a subject for um, another conversation. But you know that you want a greenhouse, and there is no place more pleasant to be in when it's just cool outside than a greenhouse that has good ventilation and beautiful plants. It always um, smells good. It always has a, a wonderful ambiance to it. And you may even find that you want to take a cup of tea or you know a sandwich or something and spend some time there in addition to when you play with your plants. But my best advice to you is pick the sunniest site with water nearby or put the water nearby. Do that now. And then get started, because before you know it, that day is going to come and you're going to want to walk into the greenhouse. Um, I'm looking up. I'm looking at recovering mine. I know I talk about this almost every year, but there's a lot of work to be done when you have one that you haven't recovered in a while. I'm really thinking about starting new. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. It is uh it, it, this weekend ha- has a lot going on in it in the garden world. This is a time when we do begin our changes. We have hit uh, really the tail end of time to plant most of the spring crops or the hot weather crops. Um, we're actually right to the end, you know, of the time to start things like bell peppers to to be planted out next in about a month or so. But it's also time to start the seeds for all the others, for the Brussels sprouts and the bok choys and broccolis and those kinds of things. So I hope that you're doing all of that and enjoying yourself. Um, Looking forward to feeding yourself a little bit. Let's see. Um, Rhonda's got... Hey, Rhonda. Rhonda... I believe your okra has um, some mealybug. I would put my fingers on that stuff, and if it's sticky, that's exactly what it is. It'll easily come off with some rubbing alcohol, or if you have insecticidal soap, either one of those will take care of it. But if it's not sticky, um, let me know, and I'll give you some other ideas. But that's, that looks to me, it's kind of characteristic because it forms at the growing points, that those nodes, and they also get into that tender tissue that's just getting started. Not unusual at all, but we can deal with them. Oh, my goodness. Trey has brown turkey figs ripening. My LSU purples are. They're really good. Had some today. (laughs) And weighing in on the, and I believe this is Clemson Spineless, isn't it, Trey? Um, The beautiful okra that he's got here. But he says daily torture (laughs) for the okra. Yes, I can remember, um, I hardly ever heard anybody really yell loudly, I mean, unless there was a big accident happening of some sort, and that was seldom the case. But I remember hearing bellowing, hollering in the uh, garden at my, my, and when I was in graduate school at one point, and it was a garden that was tended, but we tended to help each other with their projects. So we were out cutting okra to, to measure. And it, we didn't, generally speaking, all those things are 
in that particular program were harvested at Friday and weighed and measured, and that's how you knew how the growth had gone for that week. In the case of the okra, yes, we were we were out there standing on stacked up crates because the okra had gotten so tall. And um, the professor who came and yelled at us, I'd never heard such a bellow because he didn't want us standing up. He he, he didn't like that. He wanted us to stand up on the truck or do something else. But of course, you know, we were confident we weren't going to fall off and hurt ourselves. Mm, we didn't. But the good news is there are shorter varieties of okra that do not require a stepladder. So if that's been an issue for you, next time it's time to plant, we'll talk about it. How about that? <laughs> I'm tickled to tell you that uh, sometimes information comes to me that I don't want to know, even though I need to know it. I'm not a big um, fan of wasps. I've been stung too many times in my life by red wasps. I recognize that they're beneficial wasps. Yes, I like them. Yes, I can recognize them. But paper wasps are another thing entirely. Paper wasps do not have a big brain, but they do build those beautiful paper paper structures, their, their nests. And what we've learned in studies at the University of Michigan is that they have, they've really got an impressive capacity to learn and remember but perhaps even more important, they're kind of judgy. They make social distinctions about other wasps. Huh, I thought people were the only ones that did that. This is an abstract concept, of course, that one would not expect something with a brain as small as a paper wasp to understand unless you're a human being because we're so arrogant. We don't think wasps. Now, how do you think the wasps have managed to live this long? I think how many we've tried to kill because they stung us. They're pretty clever. And now we understand that they are, in fact, able to think in the abstract. Kind of dangerous. Might be a sci-fi movie in there. But at least it gives me a little more reason to try to get them out of the eaves of my house. Because if they're thinking abstractly, I'm probably in trouble. Stick around. This is Weekend Gardening. There's not a lot that's free in life. I mean, it calls to bring you into this world and when you leave it and everything in between. Well, there is something free and valuable to your well-being, and that's for you to call 811 before you dig, pull stumps, erect a mailbox, dig a post, or start a garden. Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive safe. From the very beginning, and every workday since, at every shift, and every individual effort, we carry a common purpose, a common cause. It's a duty we proudly honor, knowing behind every product we build is your faith in us, dedicated to the craft of gun making, dedicated to your freedom, equality, security, and the promise of this great country. 
Smith & Wesson, empowering Americans. Learn more at smith-wesson.com. Since 1871, Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton has been providing everything you need. Everything for your house, fencing, plumbing, flowers, lumber. Everything for your animals, dogs, cats, birds, chickens, cows, horses. And everything for your patio and yard. Bayou Classic Cookers, Wind Chimes, Orca and Pelican Coolers. We have most everything. 150 years of serving the community, family owned and operated. Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile, downtown Bolton since 1871. We'll see you soon. All month long, we're celebrating the red, white, and blue at Mazda of Jackson. That's right. We're celebrating your freedom to shop and save big on an amazing selection of Mazdas. Every car, SUV, and crossover in stock is priced to move. Plus, we're offering low interest rates that will save you thousands. For example, get super low 1.9% financing for 36 months on most 2022 Mazdas. That's right. 1.9% financing on almost every 2022 Mazda. Buy a new Mazda, and Mazda of Jackson will take care of your first year's maintenance at no cost to you. Shop right now at MazdaofJackson.com. Plus, you can buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty from Mazda of Jackson. And remember, 100% credit approval is our number one goal. Have a trade? Bring it in, and we'll give you top dollar for it, even if you don't buy a vehicle from us. So come celebrate the red, white, and blue and save big while doing so. Only at Mazda of Jackson, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. Our all-new state-of-the-art facility is located at 5397 I-55 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call 991-2222 today. Mazdaofjackson.com. With group like model CDL for details. I'll second guest dinners with friends because they can be interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon Pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring thickening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints, call your doctor if you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit creoninfo.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more. That's C-R-E-O-N-Info.com. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. He'd let us in, knows where we've been in his octopus's garden in the shade. Everybody gets a reputation. We understand that each of the Beatles had basically a label, you know, the smart one, the cute one, the quiet one. But Ringo was always just Ringo. (laughs) And I think that's because he was a little bit older than they were, than the other three. And he had a little bit more under his belt in terms of experience. I think he already knew who he was a little bit more, perhaps, than John, Paul, and George did. He was just not quite as green as they were. And uh, for that reason, when when he sang Octopus's Garden, we were like, well, my goodness, well, that's just Ringo. 
<laughs> and then he tells the story of writing the song and all those things, and it's really a very fun, a fun romp, as it were. But I just I think that's interesting. He didn't get uh, another title; he just got his own title, which is kind of fun. Brenda in Brandon has been. Uh, dutifully saving the Maypops and the butterflies are here. That's so cool. Thanks for sending that picture. I love, love, love that. Um, these, of course, more than likely, I don't, I honestly don't know, but they're, they're probably the fritillaries because that's what goes to Maypops. Um, and, and they look very healthy. <laughs> Having a host plant can be a lot of fun. And it is weird when it gets naked, but, um, it, it, it it's, it, when they strip it off, it's because the next best part is happening. And then there'll be the butterflies. And that's kind of fun. The whole business about those paper wasps that I was talking about goes to a concept that's transitive inference. In other words, one thing happens in your head or in their head, in our head too, and it infers to something else, and that's how abstract thought is is made. But I wanted you to know that term just in case you need something to talk about at dinner tonight, and you might you might indeed need that. I uh, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but it, it's it's interesting to me. It may be interesting to you. Um, I, sometimes you you read stories and headlines, and you know that the headline writer knows a whole lot of famous jokes. Um, this is a wasp, a flower, and a fly. No, they don't walk into a bar. But a wasp, a flower, and a fly are all trapped in the same piece of amber. What a what a tiny look. You know, it's as if the it's as if the the whole business of history, we didn't we don't have a time machine, but it, but we were able through amber to look at what was actually physically going on that long ago, and that's pretty nifty. This is uh, brand newly discovered, and these have been just it's prehistoric biology ecology in a bag, you know, in an in an amber or amber setting. Um, of course, the entomologist who made the discovery is one of those people that – this is the this is the guy. I don't know if you all know about George Pointer Jr., and I shouldn't assume that you do. Um, he's the person that first began to study taking DNA out of amber. You know the movie Jurassic Park? Well, if it hadn't been for him, there wouldn't have been anybody to write that. There wouldn't have been anything to write about. There would not have been Dr. Jeff Goldblum. You know, there would not have been all that stuff. Um, but at any rate, what he's talking about, this is the first fossil record of the plant genus in Hispanola. Fossil flowers of this members of this family are quite rare. Only one previously had been found in this particular one, which is Pleuconesia. What was found in Tennessee. So the Dominican amber is the fossilized form of rosin from a tree, Hymenia. They think it once grew there in the tropical ecosystem, but it's not anymore. And then, of course, the, the wasp and the flower, the fly larva. It, it's, it's just crazy. It's really amazing, beautiful thing to see. And for those of us who are kind of interested in peering backwards sometimes, you know, I know we, I'm, I'm, I'm always one who says, you need to take the past and understand it as much as you can, learn from it, and let it inform your future. So I do like the idea that I can look back that way. I'm not sure what the amber can tell me about the future, except that we've all been at this for a very long time. People have been trying to figure out what uh, what's going on in plants, and plants have been trying to grow. So all of those things do sort of fit into our world here. Something uh, Somebody wrote me about this, and it got me interested. I hadn't done – I really don't talk about plants that we forage. I talk about the plants that 
other people try to kill and people consider weeds and all that sort of stuff that that others prize. Um, probably the most famous one that I've talked about here is chickweed. We in the South literally spend money to get rid of it, and people in the North pay money to get it. That's right. The foragers literally will go some. They'll, they'll they'll take a day trip out to where it grows because it doesn't grow in their yard. It grows out somewhere else, and those kind of things are very important. Purslane is another one with an even odder twist to it. Of course, when we look at hot weather plants, we're looking at purslane as one of those things, portulaca and purslane in that family of succulent annuals that really do a beautiful job for us of making magnificent flowers, big baskets, take the heat, tolerate the summer rains and stuff, and just keep on blooming. But the species, the the, the purslane, uh, portulaca rather, olariaceae, is basically... The same thing, only its parent. In other words, as we improve and select and and get bigger flowers and um, perhaps bigger leaves and things, we're always starting with that one from the beginning. And in this case, portulaca is kind of on that bridge. It can be the ornamental plant, but it's also an edible plant in its natural form. It's desirable for those beautiful flowers and because people like to eat it, but it's also troublesome because if it takes over part of your lawn, you know that your lawn's not healthy, first of all, because the portulaca is not going to grow where the lawn grass grows in abundance. But secondly, you want, you, all you want is to get rid of it and have your lawn grow back. So the two things are kind of, um, I mean, if you've got a name like little hogweed or pigweed, which is the other names for personally, you you know it's not been popular for a long time. It is, however, popular in certain circles, and it is very popular among people who who eat um, who forage, but and other people who prefer microgreens and raw foods and one thing and another like that. I have to tell you, it is in fact rich in vitamin C and beta carotene, but you can't just go out and grab purslane and start eating it. You're going to have to grow it for yourself because you don't know how it's been treated, you don't know what's been sprayed on it. And frankly, you don't know whether it's going to be tasty. So get yourself the beginning plant. Get the parent plant and start there. Mabel, you're in Jackson. Good morning. What's on your mind today? Oh, my, my blueberries. What's up? They, they, they just, they, I guess the heat burn them up. They just dead. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry to hear that. And, uh, um, mine don't look too great, but they're not dead. It has been awfully hot. Yeah, mine is. I guess mine might be more in the sun than yours. I don't know what it is. Maybe. But what could I, I could pull those up and, and plant? Uh, uh, what else could I plant in there? In the pots? Because I have big, pretty pots. Um, well, there's a couple of different things. If you want to leave them in the sun, I I might, if you want to get something to eat, I might get a, a dwarf fig or a small fig variety. That would be fun if you don't already have that. And this is the perfect time to use those pots to get ready for the fall. You know, go ahead and mix your soil up and, and get ready to start planting greens and things next month. Oh, uh, like collard greens? and Well, yeah, mustards and turnips first and then collard greens shortly after that. Okay. Um what about a little tree? You know, I've heard sure. talking about some kind of tree, but you have to bring them back, bring them in the house when it get cold, right? I, I don't bring the bay tree. Um, I have a little bay tree that I get bay leaves off of to cook with, and it's a pretty little evergreen tree. I do not have to bring it inside. Hmm. 
that might be one that you would like if you like to cook with that. Well, I hear that. Um, if you if you get yourself to the garden center, you're going to probably find a small dwarf shrub that's pretty. There'll be some abelias or there'll be um, something else in that that's like three feet tall, you know, a spirea or something else that's a, a dwarf sized plant. That might be the answer for those because they would be there forever. They'd look nice. They'd bloom a time or two a year, but they'd look nice all time all the time the rest of the time mm-hmm. a lot of the abelias have colorful leaves and that would be nice but those are woody shrubs and that's where that might be the department you want to shop in okay now my in my swimming pool they very she planted them in there but she said they don't look too well i said well i'm gonna ask god mom okay can is I it put it in place of it where she got it said okra mm-hmm. yeah swash maybe she shouldn't no, if they're, I mean, it's the end of their first season, so it's time to plant them again. Oh, uh, uh, the, the seeds or the seeds, plants, either one, really. You can probably find squash plants and things. I don't know about okra. It may be time. We may be done for that, but you can probably find um, squash plants and things. Okay. I don't have but any problem with that. Squash, nah. What? It's the squash. Squash and cucumbers would be my would be where I would start. Okay, good. Plant them now. Yep, absolutely. But you oh. got to hurry. <laughs> We're going to run out of time before too long. Okay, well, I'll tell her because she's going to fix my garden. You up. can tell her to send me an email, and I'll send her some notes about it if you want oh, to. Okay. Okay, Mama on air at yahoo.com. Thank okay. you, Mabel. Say hey to your daughter for me. I just love families that garden together. That's just so much fun. So much fun. Papa D. Oh, my goodness. You got it all out there, huh? Good. He's he's uh he's got this is this past Christian correspondent, as you all know. He had started his peat pot seedlings a couple of weeks ago. They were looking good. He says they've planted everything and that's really right on time. You know, we we have different points of view about our time. We understand that if we're not planting soon enough in the north, we may or may not have time with before it gets cold. But in the, the southern part of the state, we want to harvest sooner. So that sometimes we actually get two crops in in the fall. So that it, it all makes it all fits together. Put it that way. Good to hear from y'all today, Papa D. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Now Trey, that's a lot of work. This is a hundred year old fig tree full of figs. <laughs> There's going to be some uh, preserving going on, I think. But I have to tell you, I didn't realize that anybody could eat figs other than in preserves until I was pretty much grown. Um, I encountered, the first time I went to California, I encountered dried figs. Then I'd, I'd never seen that before, or I probably had, but hadn't paid attention. And I'd never seen anybody eat fresh figs, much less cut them in half and put them on a grill, which is basically... In my case, it's a cast iron pan, but it's still my favorite way. That just a little bit of heat on that center surface really brulees the sugar, and it's it's delightful. It's a wonderful way to eat figs, in case you haven't already figured that out. At this time of year, we're looking at other things, of course, that what I'm still seeing some blight on tomatoes, um, but I'm also seeing a whole lot of hot peppers coming in, and that those are both wonderful, wonderful things. <laughs> Fun stuff to to look at. I don't know if uh, if you nap or not. I, I've 
there's so many opinions about napping. You know, there's people that think you should work 80 hours a week and never take naps or lunch or anything. I'm, I don't really think anybody since Thomas Edison has proven that to work too well, but we all know he's he didn't sleep. But the rest of us um, do need to get some rest. And from time to time, there are studies about napping. Um, you've probably heard of the concept of the power nap where you lie down for 20 or 30 minutes and then get back up because you're recharged. There are some people who can't do that. There are some people who fall asleep in the afternoon, for example. If they take a nap after lunch, they're going to be asleep till dinner. They're just going to fall back into a, a dark part of the, the deeper sleep. And the question's always been, why is that? Why do some people sleep one way and some do another? The question of napping it has come down in terms of this, these studies um, from the uh, American Heart Association. They've been looking at studies. And it actually does, unfortunately, correlate to hypertension, in other words, to higher blood pressure. Um, it, napping on a regular basis is not necessary. It can be a potential cause, but it's more likely a reflection. And that is that in turn is a reflection of improper sleep at night if you're not getting good sleep. And we go back to how do you measure that? Um, I really love all of that really do appreciate all of the uh, choices that people make. We've, there's there's the semi-fasting time, and you sleep before you get up and eat again, and there's people who don't eat after 8 o'clock at night, and there's people who only eat for two hours a day, and there's just all of these different things, and it really does seem that different things work for different people. However, the corollary that comes out in these studies is that take, telling yourself, I'm going to take a nap, needs to be kind of limited. <laughs> well, what do you do if you work all night? Hmm. Then you probably need a nap, right? What if you work in the garden and wear yourself out and it's too hot and you have to lie down for a little bit? Hmm. People are so different. That's why we garden. It's one thing we can share. Stick around now. Open the window and stick around. This is Weekend Gardening. And the cigarette you're smoking about to scare me half to death. Open up the window, let me catch my breath. Mama told me not to come. Mama told me not to come. She said that ain't no way to have fun, son. That ain't no way to have fun, son, son, son. Peace of mind goes a long way. As parents, we want to make sure our kids are taken care of in the future in all aspects, right? Especially financially. The Mississippi Department of Rehabilitation Services offers a savings program to help their clients achieve a better life experience by offering a way to alleviate some of the unknown financial worries. Mississippi ABLE is a federal program which enables individuals with disabilities to save money in tax-advantaged accounts that may be used for qualified disability expenses while keeping the eligibility for federal benefits. Learn more about Mississippi ABLE at MississippiABLE.com. Do you ever feel like you are in the dark? Well, with a propane generator, you'll never be in the dark again, at least when the lights go out. Enjoy the comfort and safety of knowing you have a propane generator always ready when the electricity goes out. Propane generators assure you will always have power. Propane-fueled, clean cooking, hot water on demand, warm and consistent heat and power when you need it most. Why would you choose anything else? Propane. Clean American energy. Visit MSPropane.com today. 
Are you a hard worker? Are you dependable? Do you have a good attitude? Do you want to be part of a team? If so, the Black Label Bridge Builders at Key Constructors offers lead men and women purpose-driven career opportunities with on-the-job and outside training, leadership development, and benefits. To learn more about what it takes to be a Black Label Bridge Builder, please visit Key's website at keyconstructors.com. Please also follow at Key Constructors on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to see regular updates on the Black Label Bridge Builders. Garden Mama here for Lakeland Yard and Garden to ask you, why do we garden anyway? Are you looking for a beautiful retreat where you can get away from it all? Seeking to reduce stress? To have a home you can really enjoy and invite friends over? Lakeland Yard and Garden is ready to help with your garden paradise. In addition to being a complete nursery, greenhouse, and garden shop, Lakeland offers patio furnishings, including couches, chairs, tables, and much more. Let the professionals at Mississippi's largest garden center help you get away from it all right there in your own backyard. Why do we garden? Because we love it. We love the outdoors, and yes, we too want to get away from it all sometimes. Lakeland Yard and Garden is celebrating 43 years of serving all your garden needs. We're growing your way at Lakeland Yard and Garden. Lakeland Drive at Airport Road. Research shows moving is one of life's most stressful events. But thanks to two men in a truck, Ridgeland, it doesn't have to be. We have everything you need. A professional team who will customize your move, a schedule to fit your convenience Monday through Saturday, and all of the necessary moving supplies, including free padding and stretch wrap to protect your belongings. Don't stress. Let Two Men in a Truck handle your home or business moving needs. Visit twomenandatruck.com for a free, no-obligation estimate. At Fillmore Buick GMC, we strive to make buying your next vehicle easy and take care of you long after you drive off the lot. That means upfront and honest pricing, doing everything we can to make the time you spend in the dealership as short or as long as you need. It means we understand that purchasing a vehicle is more than just a transaction for you. We want you to enjoy the experience as much as we appreciate your business. Find your next Buick GMC or pre-owned vehicle at FillmoreBuickGMC.com. Fillmore Buick GMC. You drive everything we do. Hey guys, ditch that baseball cap. If your dad was bald by middle age, you're thinking to yourself, hey, that's going to be me. Well, today, losing your hair is your choice. I'm Dr. Michael Konoski at Mississippi Hair Restoration in Metro Jackson. We can actually stop loss and regrow your hair. Our new, affordable, non-surgical in-office treatments get amazing results. So guys, here's the pitch. The sooner you start, the less you have to lose. It's that baseball cap today. See our results at StopHairLossMS.com. Probably not at my house, but one day this week it'll be sunny. The good news is I like gray. I particularly like gray skies when it's so humid that I can see the air in front of me (laughs) as I walk around. It's going to be really humid at my house this week. Probably yours, too. 
I have another flower that I wanted to encourage you to plant if you're out there looking for something to put in for some fall color, and particularly if you want to cut, but you don't have to. You can just enjoy them. If you haven't grown African marigolds, this is a great time to seed them. Of course, you can still plant cleomies and cosmos and zinnias and sunflowers, especially the shorter sunflowers. But now is also a wonderful time to plant the African marigolds, not the French marigolds, not the cute little bitty dwarf ones, unless you want something that's going to attract um, all of the bugs and, and take over that side of your garden. But there was an effort a few years back to get people to plant marigolds in the fall by trying to call them um, fall mum, you know, something about mums and stuff. I don't even remember what that was. But it seemed to me that we just should be explaining that, that marigolds have different sorts and the ones that are the taller, hardier, and yes, in most cases, smellier are the ones that are the, called the African varieties. Cracker Jack is one. You'll see a lot of seeds for that. There are a bunch of them. But there's one that if you're the person who doesn't like the way marigolds smell and you'd still like to have some around, no cento. And yes, that does. It's not spelled like that, but it does say no cent. Oh. <laughs> No cento lime green is a marigold that is just beautiful and does not have as much odor to it. Um, you may you may want to add that one to your to your retinue of things. So why not? Bill and Perkinson is growing improved Celeste and brown turkey figs. They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. I would have guessed the brown turkey. I don't think I would have guessed improved Celeste. That's a that's a wonderful choice. Really lovely choice. Thank you very much for your kindness. This is a beautiful conversation going on on the side here with Mike from Lamar County with okra plants and corn. We're talking about fertilizer. These things are tall, but they're not skyscraper tall. They're plenty tall. And uh, this is is really good, beautiful news. Thank you so much for listening and and for letting me know that. I have uh, been laughed at many times for my approach to pest control. And now more people are beginning to laugh with me. You know, sustainability is one of those qualities that uh, I I was doing partly because I want to live in my yard, partly because I have a whole lot of education and worry about some things more than other people might, and just partly because it's how I learned to garden. I learned to garden when I could barely walk from my grandfather, spent time with him all the time. And I treasure every bit of that because I had the opportunity to watch him pluck off the bug, drop it on the side of the the ground where we walked rather than where we grew, step on it and say, well, that one won't bother us. And indeed, stomping and squishing has always been the way I refer to physical pest control. I got a new one. That's right. Up in up north, not here, but up in the, uh, the the northern tier of the United States, there is a bug called spotted lanternfly, and it's given them all sorts of fits. It's a plant hopper. It's native to China, and uh, it has already invaded Korea and Japan, and now it's found its way here. It eats a lot of stuff, but particularly grapes and and stone fruits, but other things too. It's you'll find it in people. They just suddenly they're there overnight in your yard and they're destroying whatever it is that they happen to land upon to eat. In many cases, it's young trees. So they're they'll do enough damage to cause the sap to ooze, to cause the leaves to wilt and curl. And sometimes the trees just die, just totally die back. Well, 
because you can't spray them, there's not any reason to stay fly. There's not any reason to start spraying them in when they're there because they've already done the damage and there's already more trouble. Plus, it would be incredibly expensive to spray all of these big trees. They, the, the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture has this marvelous sign um, at the edges of their like public areas, public parks, and things like that, so that if you see a spotted lanternfly while you're there, you don't take it with you and carry it back to your house where it becomes a breeder and causes a problem. And the the sign is very clear about what you do, and it shows you your hand getting it off of the tree and, and what you're going to do. Stop, scrape to get it off. Stop, look at it. Scrape to get it off. Squash. <laughs> So somehow my stomp and squish has made it to much bigger fish than me. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Um, let's see. Um, in the Hattiesburg area, and I'll just say this is Tim. I don't know. This is um, – if you emailed me this morning, I'm not at my desk at my house. I'm at the studio. So, yes, the, the, this is the best way to get in touch with me here. Away from here. That's the best way. Um, she's got lemon. Who he has got lemons, maypops, and hydrangeas are yellow. Okay, let's talk about yellow leaves right quick. If the leaves are yellow at the bottom of a plant like that, it tells you that it's been raining a whole lot and they've used up all their nitrogen, or they've been growing real fast and they've used up all their nitrogen. The point is that you need to fertilize them to. A, and sometimes those the yellow leaves can absorb enough nitrogen to turn green again. Sometimes they just fall off and new leaves appear. But if they're, they're lower leaves, that's generally the, the problem. If, however, a plant has really and truly a lot of yellowed leaves all over it, you generally should suspect that there's a drainage problem, and usually that means it's not draining. There's there's water sitting in that site. Um, we would think about that particularly for the lemon and the hydrangea. The the maypop could maybe take it and just shed the leaves and, and grow some more. They're, but they're all three in full sun, well-drained soil, and the, the problem it may just have been that the weather has been so overwhelmingly wet when it's wet. Now, on the other hand, if the upper leaves are yellow and they're yellowing from the top back, you need to really do a good examination and make sure you're not also getting leaf spotting because that can be a different problem. So if it's lower leaves on the plant, probably just give them some nitrogen fertilizer and they'll be fine. If, you, if you're seeing leaves all over the plant, you need to check your drainage. And if they're only in the top, it, it could be nutrition, but it's probably pests. That's, that's the nitrogen basics for you. And no, nobody, I mean, yeah, they taught me that, but they didn't teach it to me all in one piece. <laughs> they taught it to me in different places. I had to pull it together. Let's see. Um, all right. Corinne planted a fig. It has no figs. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, you know, the thing is, my figs are in a lot of shade, so they took longer to grow and to produce than the same fig would have in a sunnier site. So that's the first thing that, that will slow figs down. Also, sometimes because they're kind of wimpy and you have to prune them at the beginning, that will slow down production before they get started. But it's also true that, yeah, you do need some fertilizer. And you can fertilize figs even at this point in the year, but don't do it after this. But you can fertilize them at this point in the year with fruit tree food or something else with a low nitrogen, plenty of phosphorus and potassium and all the minor elements. You also want to fertilize them again after you prune in January. 
Um, sometimes figs take a while to get going. And I've told you about the one that I have that decided it wasn't going to bloom, I mean, wasn't going to fig and wasn't going to do anything until it decided suddenly that, I guess, time, life was too short, it needed to make some more figs, and they have been lovely. So <laughs> there's that and there's that. Yes, indeed, this is Booker T and the MGs. For those of you who don't know, you need to. This is Time is Tight, because we got to get out of here for one more hour, though. We are all yours this morning, and you're all mine, too. This is Weekend Gardening. Customers, a whole home energy upgrade. The Propane Energy Pod Builder Incentive Program. What's the Propane Energy Pod? It's a total home energy upgrade that combines high-efficiency propane gas appliances to meet a home's major energy needs and delivers superior comfort and efficiency compared with all electric homes. Not only is it good for homeowners, it's good for builders, too. All propane homes, on average, are valued up to 5% higher than all electric homes. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com. Hundreds of thousands of Mississippians like me. Yes, please. Depend on public benefits for health care, food, and and housing. housing. To receive these benefits, I cannot have more than $2,000 in my name. With able, I can save save for my future without losing my much-needed benefits. I couldn't plan on savings before, but but now I I am able. able. Visit MississippiAble.com to get started. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry. SelectQuote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-881-4747. That's 1-800-881-4747. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-881-4747. Select quote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Your home for Ole Miss sports. WFMN Flora Jackson. Super Talk Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. 601-345-8090. I'm J.T. Mitchell, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. A bacteria never before seen in the U.S. until now was identified right here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. C.J. Papa has more. Meliodosis, also known as Whitmore's disease, is caused by the bacteria Burkholderia. 
discovered for the first time in the U.S. in Mississippi Gulf Coast soil and water. That's according to the CDC. The disease is fatal in 10 to 50 percent of cases. Symptoms include fever, joint pain, and headaches, but the disease can lead to more serious conditions like pneumonia and blood infections. The CDC says two unrelated individuals living in the Gulf Coast region were diagnosed with meliodosis within two years, one in 2020, the other in 2022. That's when officials decided to sample household products, soil, and water around the patient's homes. And President Joe Biden has nominated Julie Reckleman, the former attorney for the Jackson Women's Health Organization, to serve on the Boston-based First U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. Have you ever seen a field of corn or soybeans or cotton growing along the highway? Think about that for a moment. From tiny seeds comes this field of crops. You and I need to live our lives every day. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation celebrates 100 years in 2022. We began much the same way as a seed of an idea that took root in 1922. In the 100 years since, the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation has contributed so much to our lives across every county of this state. From insurance to hospitals, from private property rights to road and bridge repair, Mississippi Farm Bureau has fought to make a better way of life for Mississippians, member or not. So, while agriculture is important, we are not just a farm organization. 100 years of strengthening our families, our communities, and our state. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation. 100 years of faith, family, and Farm Bureau. There have been 70 murders in our state capitol this year, and according to former U.S. Attorney Mike Hurst, that puts the city on pace to hit about 123 this year. If you're going to be an optimistic person, glass half full, I mean, that is lower than last year. It is lower than the year before, but that still puts us in the top three deadliest years in the city's history. He says 60% of murders in Jackson are solved, but in the 60s, the solvability rate in the nation was 90%. He blames a lack of resources and a lack of leadership. When you don't have someone who is making executive decisions about a city, or specifically in this case, about a police department, or that is making decisions that you know adversely impact the police officers, um, you've got some of the lowest morale that I've ever seen in any organization, not just the law enforcement organization. Yeah. For the latest Mississippi news, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or online at supertalk.fm. Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. The Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame Museum will hold its annual induction weekend this weekend, presented by Sanderson's Farm and Sanderson's Farm Championship. The events got underway last night at the Madison Healthplex, and then the Hall of Fame will host a Meet the Inductees autograph session this morning from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. at the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame and Museum. And then tonight, the induction banquet. Presented by Sanderson's Farm and Sanderson's Farm Championship will take place at the Jackson Convention Complex. The eight members of the class of 2022 include All-American swimmer Maggie Bowen Hanna, basketball coach Kermit Davis Sr., football coaches Bob Tyler and Willis Wright, baseball players Barry Lyons and David DeLucci, NFL receiving great Eric Moles, and PGA golfer Jim Gallagher Jr. will be on hand. The program will get underway at 7 o'clock with the formal enshrinement. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. This is Jake Mangum. Some call me the mayor. No player wins any game by themselves. It takes a team. So if you want excellent customer service and competitive insurance rates, you need to go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau, just like I did. 
Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance. Or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. Welcome to day four of Digging Safety Class. It says here we're talking post holes. Yes, before you dig one, call 811. For a post hole? See this picture? Your hair's standing on end, Bob. Cool, dude. Not so cool. I hit an electrical line. And I thought you were trying to be hip. Hello, Sam here from Mississippi 811. Calling 811 two working days before digging is the law, and it's always the right thing to do. This is the last Saturday of July, which means we are about a month away from the kickoff of the 2022 football season. And the SEC football preseason media poll predicts the order finish in the East, Georgia winning the East, followed by Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. The media predicts Alabama to win the SEC West, followed by Texas A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss is fourth, LSU fifth, Mississippi State is sixth, followed by Auburn. They predict Alabama to be the SEC champion again for this year. Southern Miss will open play in the Sun Belt Conference for the first time this fall. They are predicted to finish fifth in the West Division. Louisiana's Raging Cajuns are predicted to win the West and the Sun Belt Championship as they are the defending Sun Belt champion. Appalachian State is predicted to win the East in the Sun Belt Conference. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports, Mississippi. your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into Weekend Gardening, baby. This is a beautiful day for gardeners. If you, like me, have been in your house looking out in the afternoons and thinking, you know, the heat index is a 100 million degrees, I think I'm going to just do something else today. This is actually coming into a week that's going to have too much rain for some places and some things. But on the other hand, gray skies can be the gardener's friends. So let's talk about what's going on in, at your place and what you would like to be going on. We do, uh, from time to time, even look over at the neighbors, you know, and kind of take a few ideas from them, whether they're the ones we want to do exactly the same or maybe not. 888 is the Super Talk call line. The ceasefire text line is 601-879-4395, where I'm getting to see such things as the adorable um, bicycles and scarecrows riding through the zinnias in Pike County. Y'all, come on now. That's beautiful. Thanks so very much, Amanda. Appreciate you sending me that. Love, love, love to see that. I was... uh in, someone inquired with, to me about their tree being knocked down, parts of their tree being knocked down, and it reminded me of a program I did a long time ago that I probably should do again so it, because storm seasons are what they are. We've always got some lost trees, things that we can't re, can't keep the tree growing. We've got to take it down and do something with it. And, and this particular one, I believe, was two dozen uses for a dead tree. And it was really a good program, as I recall. Got a lot of good attention for it. But it is one of those things that we don't always think about. Um, 
I have in, in, in one of the things that I'm in the process of unloading in my life, and you, you probably have stuff, if like me, you've lived in one place for a long time, you have stuff that you inherited, you have stuff that was yours, but you have other stuff that you really feel like somebody else would have needed by now, but they don't. And in my case, I have whittled Barbie furniture. That's right. I have furniture long enough, beds long enough for Barbie and Ken, but they're whittled by my grandfather. And they were literally whittled out of a tree that fell over in the yard. <laughs> so I remember that. And since then, what can you do with a dead tree has always fascinated me. Lately, though, I've been seeing more and more insect houses built. You know, they'll, People will take a piece of wood it's not in great shape from a tree that fell over, for example. It's, you know, so it's not the happiest. But when you put more holes in it, rather than trying to fill the ones that you that you found when you got there, then you make a place for the insects to be able to rest and nest. And that, in turn, is another one of the good, good uses for a dead tree. Um, I have had bowls. I've had spoons. I've had um, so many wonderful options from any kind of work that you might do if it's on a, a, a you, you know you may you may actually be a woodworker god bless you if you are but the rest of us kind of have to find things to do and sometimes it's as simple as cutting a limb into pieces and using it to sit on you know out in the garden there's just so many things that we can do we can talk about that um if you'd like we can talk about those figs that we keep talking about oh I love that y'all want to talk about figs. I love figs. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven is the Super Talk call line. Six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five is, of course, the C Spire text line. Um, we've been um, really interested these lately in what do you do in the garden when it's too hot to do anything in the garden. So y'all have provided me with some really good ideas. I like the bicycles. <laughs> I like the harvesting. I like sitting in the shade of the fig tree. You know, there's a lot of things that y'all are showing me today. That's lots and lots of fun. Do you know what a um, trash bug is? Well, I had a, a really nice email with a brilliant picture from Summit, Mississippi. Watching a baseball game, you know, they've got the uh, net around home plate. You're sitting there so that the ball doesn't go back into the stands. Mm. But sometimes those nets get infested with critters. And when the foul ball hits them, the critters can get knocked off. And in this case, they did. He thought it was a piece of lichen because that's what it looked like. Fell on him, but it bit him. And indeed, trash bugs are, are, are going to do that. That's how they defend themselves is by covering up with other debris from other plants. But they are actually lacewing larvae and they're not a bad thing. It's just one you don't necessarily want on your foul ball screen. Um, it is something that you, they, they can, they're known as wolves in sheep's clothing for the, the insect world because they look like blobs of lichen, but they'll bite you. So that's not hard, but they'll bite you. Okay. Funny, funny things, things that we all know about. Um, let's see. How long does it take for figs to ripen? Woo, that's a loaded question. 
It depends on the variety. It depends on the age of the tree sometimes. It depends on which season they're ripening in. For example, some fig trees can put on two crops. They'll put on the one that they put on in the spring that's ripening now, but they'll also sometimes put on another crop in the summer that doesn't ripen until fall, and that one usually takes a bit longer. Six weeks from the time you see a small fig is not unusual, but it might be longer, if it's particularly if the weather's cooling off. Um, it's just an, an interesting thing to consider. Let's see. Um, oh, it's a Sarah Bernhardt peony. Yeah, that's hard. Sarah Bernhardt has the, has the opportunity to bloom I- even in Hattiesburg, but it it's not uh, it's not going to be particularly easy at this time of year. I would put it in the shade outdoors and water it almost daily to get it through this patch of heat, and then when we get maybe a little break from that, um, you'll want to think about moving it back into more sunlight, maybe even giving it a little bit of fertilizer. But the, for the most part, we want to grow our peonies in the southern part of, say, zone 8B, 7A. The ones that can bloom really do have to grow, do most of their growing in the fall and winter and then bloom in the early spring. Sarah Bernhardt is certainly among those that will do that. Good-looking leaves, though. You've done a good job. I like that. I don't know if you have heard of the spoon theory, but it is uh, it is very much on my mind, and there are a couple of reasons for that. Spoon theory was uh, developed or, or first explained, I should say, in the early 2000s um, by a woman who sought to explain autoimmune disease to her friends. And the way she described it was that Energy is spoons. If you think of energy as spoons, I don't have as many spoons as you have. And when I have used my spoons, I don't have any more spoons. So in the vernacular now, there is a term that refers to a lot of things that says, I just don't have the spoons for that. And if, like me, you had heard that and thought it referred to something else, (laughs) well, we're wrong. It refers to energy. And it, it applies, for example... If it takes a whole spoonful of energy just to get out of bed in the morning and get your clothes on because you have a, an invisible disability that people can't see, but it causes you to, to take a long time to get going, that's a spoon that someone else might not have to use as much of. So you, you by the time you get out of your house, you can see that you have to water the plants, you have to walk the dog, you have to feed yourself, and you have to make your lunch. By the time you get to the office, you've already used up half your spoons for the day where your colleague that does not have your same autoimmune disease or, or invisible disability has not used up but two, maybe, to get out of their house in terms of their supply of energy. Each person's is different, but if we have these conditions it, it it is in fact less i was intrigued to read about this and to understand it but lately i've come to another point of view about it and i fully expect i'm i'm not i'm not an original thinker most of the time these are it's like i said they didn't teach me those things about nitrogen all at the same time they te- i learned them and i put them together myself but I, I believe that there are other places where the spoon theory of energy can really be helpful in understanding what's going on. And one of those is the long-term effects of COVID. Another one, though, is just old age. And as as one, if if you're lucky enough to reach a certain age, if you're lucky enough 
to live long and and hopefully you you are in fact prospering. That's the classic Vulcan thing, you know, live long and prosper. If you live long, that's that in itself is a form of prosperity. And so what I'm saying to you is that if you have to explain to somebody why you need a little extra effort on this or you can't go and do that and that and that, maybe the spoon theory is going to explain it. Because things do change in life, whether it's from an autoimmune disease, whether it's from aging. But I think it's particularly going to be helpful in understanding long-term COVID and understanding things like PTSD that really do debilitate you at that moment but have solutions. Okay? Just think about it. The spoon theory. You can come along that road with me or not. (laughs) If you think I'm crazy, that's all right. You can send me that email, too. Um, oh my goodness, what a beautiful pakira. Um, this, this is a money tree and Shannon's got it in Oxford. The mushrooms in the base of it are telling you that the soil is too heavy and too wet. I would take them off. I would put a little bit of garden lime in the pot right now. And then in a few weeks when it's cooler weather, I would repot it in a looser soil that's got, um, that does, won't have the spores in it. This is going to be a case where you probably want to take the plant out of the pot, rinse the roots before you put it into fresh soil. Okay. You could use the same pot again, but you'd need to clean it too. What a beautiful plant though. I do love those. Lovely, lovely, lovely. So pretty. Thank you for showing that to me. Um. <laughs> Have you are you a fan of Woody Woodpecker? Are you have you ever thought about why Woody makes that noise, you know, why that particular voice came and, and worked so well for him? Of course it was the animator's wife's voice, but she did it wasn't her natural voice. She she invented the voice of Woody the Woodpecker. Um the question though is really why do they do that? And how does it affect them and are they all kind of drunk all the time from banging their heads into things or is it a helmet or is it a hammer? And that's been the that's been the question for quite some time. In the case of this particular work reporting in cell bi- current biology, I'm sorry, um, they what they did was to take it's a Belgian um, university that did most of the work in this. What they did was to take high speed videos of three species of woodpeckers and then analyze those at, at, at every possible speed for every possible reaction for every possible innuendo of activity on the part of the woodpecker. Sadly, yep, sadly, we found out that they don't really absorb the shock. <laughs> um, it, it's an interesting idea. They don't, though. It's more of a hammer. It doesn't. It's not that they're. It's not that they have shock absorbers in their heads. It's that that whole business is not actually being affected. It's a, it is a hammer. Um, I think that's interesting. They they built biomechanical models, and that in fact, if they what they discovered was that if any of those models had the ability to absorb the shock, the birds couldn't do what they do. So it, it's pretty interesting. Um, what about all that furious pecking though? Does it does it modify the brain and does it move things around in there or what? Is that why that Woody Woodpecker voice seems so normal to us? Well. The smaller brain of the woodpecker is actually the answer to this. There isn't very much to upset. There's more hammer than there is brain. And so that's why this works okay. Um, Parents 
tend to, you see a woodpecker in, in a zoo or in a video or something, you tend to say to your kid, well, they've got a hard head. They don't, they don't, you don't, you don't want to do that, but they've got a hard head as if they have a shock absorber or that they can take that banging. Actually, what they can take is the fact that they have a hammer for a head. <laughs> it's pretty interesting stuff. Um, University of Antwerp and uh, European Horizons, European Union's Horizon 2020 program did this work. I'm not exactly sure why we needed to know it, except that it always goes to anything that we where we might want to build a robot. We would need to know whether the robot needed to have a hammer-type head or a shock absorber head, and that's probably where the biomechanical models are going. I like that. I appreciate it. Oh, if you have brown areas in your lawn, as one of my writers' uh, correspondents did this week, you may find that they are... If, you, if you've been getting a lot of rain in your particular area and the brown patches are increasing with the, every rain, then take the conventional wisdom and put it aside and check and see whether you have brown patch fungus. We generally think of it in cooler weather, however. And in the case of brown patches in your lawn now, it's probably chinch bugs. So go out there and part the go to where the green meets the brown and, and, and put your hands in the grass and part it till you can get to ground level. You'll probably see them. It's, it's it, they're not uncommon and in, in dry conditions they're particularly able to multiply. <laughs> That's not necessarily what we wanted them to do, but they do. My neighbor has uh, a large infestation of white flies, and I'm really hoping that they will finally take down the plant so he will get rid of it because I, I like the idea that they're all living over there, but I know that they're coming into my garden too. So we'll have to see what happens with that. Do you know the difference between warm-blooded and cold-blooded? Do you know how we got that, how that happened? Well, the Field Museum in Chicago is famous for doing things that you would think they, they do. They, they do great, brilliant work, and a lot of times it's how come we didn't already know that, or how come we hadn't studied that before. And warm-bloodedness, of course, is one of the things that we all learned in maybe third grade was what makes uh, mammals different from other creatures. But when did we get it? The new study lets us know that we we have an odd way of telling the fossil animal's body temperature because obviously we can't take their temperature but in the, in time the tiny tiny structures inside the inner ear is the key to this the fluid in our ears gets runnier at higher temperatures so animals with warm bodies don't need as big of an ear canal for it to flow through okay does that make sense S- similarly if you're cold-blooded, the ear canal is going to be larger, and that's what we've learned in the fossil record, and it continues to be true today. But in looking far, far back into the fossil record, what this particular work at the Field Museum has involved has, has let us know, and it's telling us that this all happened about 20 million years later than we thought. So everything was cold-blooded much, much longer than we had, had actually begun. All vertebrates, everything that has bones, which are vertebrates, um, their, eel, their ears contain tiny canals that help things stay in balance, okay? So how much that happens, how much it's there, is what keeps us standing up straight. But, turns out, warm-bloodedness evolved because as we were warm-blooded, we can tell that because we didn't need such a big canal. Pretty interesting. Who knew? Well, the Field Museum didn't know. That's why they asked. 
That's why they did some studying. So much more to talk about today. We've got some time left, plenty of time for your calls, plenty of time for your texts, and thank goodness, plenty of time for weekend gardening. I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive safe. Peace of mind goes a long way. As parents, we want to make sure our kids are taken care of in the future in all aspects, right? Especially financially. The Mississippi Department of Rehabilitation Services offers a savings program to help their clients achieve a better life experience by offering a way to alleviate some of the unknown financial worries. Mississippi ABLE is a federal program which enables individuals with disabilities to save money in tax-advantaged accounts that may be used for qualified disability expenses while keeping the eligibility for federal benefits. Learn more about Mississippi ABLE at MississippiAble.com. The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe. Homestyle plates full of catfish, shrimp, and rib tips, just to name a few. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or Grubhub. Call 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283. If you're tired of looking at your tired old bath, Bath Fitter is offering their best savings of the year. $600 off or 36 months financing at 0% interest with every new complete bath system. You've been thinking about doing it, and Bath Fitter wants to help make it happen. With a $600 off or 36 months financing, with no interest. Every bath fitter bath is designed to fit your life and now with unbelievable savings. It fits your wallet too. It's their biggest savings of the year, so don't miss it. Bath fitter, it just fits. Some conditions apply. Visit bathfitter.com slash savings to get started. Hi, I'm David Frederick, owner of Frederick Sales and Service in Brandon. For more than 27 years, we've been selling and servicing Exmark mowers here in central Mississippi. Whether you have a city lot, a country estate, or a large institutional property, Exmark has a mower to fit your needs. I invite you to come by and check out all of what Exmark and Fredericks has to offer. With special financing available, we have mowers in stock and ready for you. Fredericks Sales and Service, the choice in outdoor equipment. Serving you since 1993. I tend to second-guess dinners with friends because they're often interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon Pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thickening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints, call your doctor if you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit Creon.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more. That's C-R-E-O-N.com. In a message about parachutes, stockpot,
pots and soup strainers, Dr. Michael Ziegler takes us out of the plane and into the kitchen with the book of Ecclesiastes. This week on The Lutheran Hour. Each Sunday morning at 7 on Super Talk 97.3. Garden Mama here for Lakeland Yard and Garden. Now is the time to get to Lakeland Yard and Garden for the largest selection of patio furniture and accessories for outdoor and indoor living areas. Lakeland has everything you need from umbrellas and replacement cushions to beautiful fountains and stepping stones. You'll find Komodo Joe grills, Yeti coolers, and great collegiate gift items. The expert staff at Lakeland is happy to guide you through their large nursery stock of bedding plants, perennials, tropicals, and more. Be sure to get your soils and mulches. Many are sold by the bag or in bulk, and Lakeland Yard and Garden even offers local delivery. Lakeland Yard and Garden, growing your way and serving you for over 43 years. Listen to your mama now and call 601-939-7304. Visit online at lakelandyardandgarden.com and stop by Lakeland Yard and Garden, Lakeland Drive at Airport Road. This is Weekend Gardening, and this is the time for everybody to be doing a lot to get ready for the fall garden, okay? This is the really an important bit of information for you, because if you don't do it now, you'll be talking to me in October, and I'll be going, sorry about most things. Right now, though, there are a bunch of things you can do. Right now, you can be seeding in the garden, snap beans, bush beans particularly, but also bush limas. Vining cucumbers or my favorite cucumbers that are that form a bush and can grow in a big pot. The summer squashes can come around again. And if you want to do winter squashes, you do some of the the shorter crop ones. You don't want the ones that take 150 days to make. Okay, but you can certainly get um, spaghetti squash, for example, to get going in the fall. And the fall will be better for it. It's a better crop then. You can also start some seeds right now. For the for for the classics for the nightshades the tomatoes the the eggplants the hot and bell peppers, you can also be starting the seeds right now because you're going to put them out at the end of August in most of our areas, for all the coal crops broccoli and cauliflower kohlrabi all those guys as well as parsley and cilantro you want to know when to start those seeds now's the time start the parsley and the cilantro and if you are in northern mississippi memphis on up into nashville start growing your beets okay it's that time if you want to know more about fall gardening you want to talk to me about it you've got other kinds of garden questions you'd like answered in person bring yourself to lakeland yard and garden in flowwood at 11 o'clock on Saturday, August 13, or Saturday, August 20th. I'll be there both days. We're going to talk for about 30 or 40 minutes about a program to present, but after that, we're just going to talk. So I'll be there for probably an hour, maybe hour and a half, if you all keep talking. <laughs> if, if, we do, if you don't, if you don't, well, I'll understand that. Um, let's see. This is a good question. Dots and Bolton, this is, I know you got good deer netting. Congratulations. Um, when to prune the two fig trees and how low they're six to seven feet tall they haven't made figs or else the birds are beating you to them well that's true she, she that is possible um if they've been there more than three years they should be bearing and if they are if they have not yet then you do need to prune but you prune in january so do that at that time um, it looks like you got growth coming up at the bottom, too. No, that looks like poison ivy. I take that back. So the top ones, the, the, your stems are a little bit on the thin side, so I would certainly prune them pretty well, not 
not oh, don't take everything off, but prune pretty solidly in January at that point. Okay, okay, um, sure. That's a good thing. It was a good question about Nandina's. And let's see. Oh dear, you know this question is going to come eventually. And about every month in the summer and the fall, here it is. What is the black mold with white capsule-like spots on my crepe myrtle trees? Well, Mr. or Mrs. Johnson, I don't know which one it is. Um, crepe myrtle bark scale is probably what you have. So I suggest that you go to the MSU Cares or if or, or LSU Care, either one of those. Their cooperative extension site, Alabama probably has it. I just haven't looked at it. Um, but if But look up crepe myrtle bark scale and the only places you're going to find that are are in the south sources from the south because it's our problem it is a big problem um my next door neighbors crepe myrtle trees are being devastated by it sadly the ones that have come up in my yard that from his trees are their parent seedlings there they seem to be immune to it i don't even want those trees (laughs) but there they are so the ones he planted intentionally, though, are and many times it is that case that the the varieties that get the problem. It's very difficult to treat. You'll have to understand what the problem is. You may be using a systemic insecticide. I recommend that if it is a tree that is in a precious position, and by that I mean to take it down would ruin your landscape or because it belongs to your mother. You know, I mean, you have, there are a lot of reasons why we can't cut a tree down or use a systemic insecticide on it but it's a big problem and it is one that requires a lot of a lot of work to get rid of crepe myrtle bark scale oh not a not a friend of any of us <laughs> not not a friend i was really tickled by um something i read this week people who were just discovering the fact that you can propagate some plants from their leaves. And this was someone who said that um, when she left her mom's house, her mom gave her a bag full of African violet leaves and said, go root these. And she stuck the end of the leaf and the, the stem into the soil and nothing happened. What did she do wrong? Well, first of all, Yes, a lot of things root from their leaves. You may even see things like piggyback plant where the leaf forms on the leaf. You know, there's there's a lot of differences in the way that things work in, in the botanical world. But when you're talking about rooting from th- something like the leaf of an African violet, you're not talking about rooting from the leaf stem. You're talking about rooting from the leaf itself. So what that means is that you would make a fresh, a fresh cut on the end of it to, and slide it into the soil kind of sideways so that the leaf is also lying there. And then that's when you take something, usually it's a, a plant pen of some sort or another, and just hold that leaf down, the, the African violet leaf, hold it down onto the soil surface, make small incisions, and it will root from there. And it, you know, Or usually, usually all you have to do is pin it down with one pin, and then it will start to root. Um, and you'll find little plants growing on it. But it's it's one of those things that's not impossible to do by any means. And many more of the um, – many more plants will root from different parts than you know. I was talking about the night-blooming cereus that is growing now. And this, that was rooted from a leaf, and it didn't look like much when it got started – but it's just like it's just like the potatoes. You're, if you're going to plant potatoes in the fall, you have to do that in the middle of August in, throughout our regions, if not a little sooner. Um, 
but it's too hot up until then. The potatoes will just usually rot in the ground. But that's why we start a little bit sooner in the, for example, if you have some potatoes that are starting to sprout that you've been holding on to that you want to plant, you're probably going to cut those into pieces so that you have more tomato plants. But because there's so many soil-borne diseases, particularly in hot soil, you need to give them some time to callus over. And that's a lot of what rooting is about, is forming that callus. You'll see them change. You just cut them, put them in on your counter or on a plate or something, in, in not in direct sun, but where they can grow like they need to do to, to heal themselves. That makes a lot of difference sometimes for plants, particularly in that group. The same thing is true of the night-blooming cereus. It also is better served if it heals a little bit. Um, before you plant it. And in fact, I have one that I had I had thought I was going to be giving to somebody. So I had cut it and just stuck it into a wet sand thing, was going to pass it along for them to, to do whatever they were going to do with it. I didn't get to see them. They rooted. <laughs> so, you know, that's another piece of all of that. Let's see. Brian, what's on your leaves in Grenada? What's going on? Hello, Brian. Hey. What's on your leaves? Oh, I was wondering what what all you could tell me about that powdery mildew that gets on leaves. Powdery mildew on trees, and what you might could like do to like control that. Okay, if it's powdery mildew and it's it's kind of whitish gray, is that what the color is? Uh, yeah. That's right. Okay. You don't do anything about that. That's a weather phenomenon, and it will change. If you need to prune it off, because for example. Um, someone with a lot of powdery mildew in their front yard said, I got to put my house on the market. I'm cutting that stuff off. I said, I have no problem with that, <laughs> but it's not that dangerous. It will, it'll go away on its own when the weather changes. Okay. So you have a problem with that too, powdery mildew? Oh, everybody does at one time or another. Sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's um, it's not uncommon at all. Is there something you can you can't spray nothing on them leaves to get rid? Well, of? generally by the time a spray would work, it's already gone on and and fallen off on its own anyway. It's a, it's a, it's a weather phenomenon. If you if you search it up, you'll find the names of some fungicides that you can spray on it. But you will also always find the note that says, in in a couple of weeks it goes away anyway. Now, if it doesn't go away, it's not powdery mildew, so you need to send me a photograph of whatever the plant is and the problem to mamaonair at yahoo.com. But if it's powdery mildew, it will go away. Okay? Okay, yeah. All right. Thank, Thank you, sir. Good to hear from you. And let's see. Who else is up here? Don's in Picayune. Don, what what is up with your crepe myrtle? Well, you may have partially answered my question with someone that texted you about Uh-oh. crepe myrtles. The 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 bark I, I got a tree, young tree that I planted uh, in the spring about two years ago. It's about twelve to fifteen foot tall. It bloomed the first time this year, and the bark has turned black. And there is something. It's like something is sucking the. Yeah. The life out of the leaves, and the leaves are turning yellow and falling off. Okay. And whatever is on the bark, you can take your hand, and it gets all over your hand. Yeah, yeah. You've got one of two problems. Um, the 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 usually when it's on the bark, we're unfortunately looking at the scale problem. But yes, there are other insects that will get into the crepe myrtle and cause that dehydration and the leaves to fall off that are not nearly as dangerous as the ones on the bark. 
So I'm going to tell you that Dr. Blake Layton from the um, Mississippi State University in the in the cooperative when you go to MSU Cares, which is the cooperative extension website, you'll find articles. All you have to do is put into their search bar. You want to know about crepe myrtle bark scale? They got pictures that will frighten you because they're so good. <laughs> it's one of those things that sadly we're having to deal with all over the South. Okay, what is that website again? It's going to be M-S-U-C-A-R-E-S dot com. Okay. You can say it M-S-U-Cares.com, but what it is is Cooperative Associated Research, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's an acronym. So, But it's but M-S-U-Cares.com will get you there. Okay. I have, over the last three weeks, I've sprayed it twice with like a fungicide, so that's not what my problem is. Probably right? not. Probably not. Um, generally speaking, we end up having to physically scrape off the the black mold because it's got the scaled insects in it. Do you see little white pops in it? There's places where it's doing that if it's the crepe myrtle bark scale. And we usually have to clean it off and then begin the spraying or the treating with a drench or something. Again, it's a case where it case by case basis. If you have if you have crepe myrtle bark scale, you have to make a decision how devoted you are to that particular tree and whether you want to treat it because it's not cheap and also a lot of time and energy or plant a different variety. So, it, But check it out at the website, and that'll they'll give you what it's going to take to get rid of it if it can be gotten rid of. Okay? Okay. Thank I've got, a, yeah. I've got a, uh, a Natchez variety that's about 20 foot away and planted at the same time, and it's not had the problem. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you have seen what is so frustrating for crepe myrtle growers all across our world. There, There's some that are getting it, some that don't get it. Some are more susceptible than others. Um, I, my neighbors, my neighbors are a mess, but I have a perfectly nice modern hybrid in my yard that doesn't get it at all. So it, it's just, it's not every variety. Okay. Okay. Okay, sounds good. All, All right, let me know what you find out. Thank you, Don. There's an awful lot of information out here in the world about plants, about horticulture, about botany, about all the things that we worry about. And sometimes there's nothing better for it than to take a look at all of that. Um, oh, dear, tell Don that everybody in Picayune has that bark issue. Five out of 20 have got it. Oops. <laughs> this is coming to me uh, from the Harvest Barn Church. Good morning, y'all. Glad to hear from you. The, um, yeah, it, it it's not rain that causes it, but certainly the, the insect is going to, if the insect gets there, it's going to be easier for it to set up shop if, if nothing comes along to try and get it off. Like nothing predates it, um, nothing sprays it, nothing dries it up, and, and rain certainly can help. But no, the rain doesn't cause it. It's just a, another it's just an, an unfortunate crepe myrtle problem. I hate it. Um, let's see. Oh, Pat, this is a good question. I want to save caladium bulbs for next year. When should I do that? There'll be a day, just like there's a day when the weather turns cool and you want to put on a sleeve, there's a day when the caladiums just start falling down. They may go to, they may try to go to bloom. They may just get a few yellow leaves at their base. And you know that because it's late August, early September, you probably don't want to fertilize them and kick them off again in central Mississippi. You're trying to go ahead and let them go a slightly dormant. So what I like to do is stop watering them if you've been doing that and give yourself the opportunity to 
let them die back at least halfway, if not all the way. Then that's when you dig them up, let them dry on their own outside of the weather, outside of all that. But late August, early September is fine. It, it may be a little bit longer just depending on how the weather wear, wears on them or doesn't. But when they start to show you that they're beginning to go dormant, stop watering them and let them go dormant. Then you'll be ready to dig them up. Takes a couple of weeks. All right now. Oh, here it's, it's this is Lula, Mississippi coming up for y'all. Stick around now. This is weekend gardening. I went to school against my will way down south. I kissed girls and I shot squirrels out behind my house. I learned a lot about this world way down south. There's not a lot that's free in life. I mean, it calls to bring you into this world, and when you leave it, and everything in between. Well, there is something free and valuable to your well-being, and that's for you to call 811 before you dig, pull stumps, erect a mailbox, dig a post, or start a garden. Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. All of us at the Mississippi Propane Gas Association are committed to providing you with the best possible services and affordable values. We operate in a way that assures a safe, reliable, and economical fuel source. Our trained personnel constantly monitor the conditions of our gas systems to assure reliability and safety. Any repairs or modifications to a propane gas system must be performed by the qualified technicians of your propane provider as required by state and federal regulations. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com. Boats, rods and reels, guns and clothing. Shop for all this and more at the Mississippi Ag and Outdoor Expo. You'll find tractors, implements, and more for the ag world. And a petting zoo for kids presented by Southern Ag Credit. See the latest trucks from Chevrolet. August 5th through 7th at the Trademark at the Fairgrounds. Brought to you by the Foundation for Mississippi Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. And sponsored by Southern Ag Credit. Adult tickets, 12 bucks. For more information, visit MississippiOutdoorExpo.com. Are you having sewer and drain problems? Call the experts, Roto-Rooter. Since 1934, Roto-Rooter Plumbing has been fixing small home disasters. Mention this ad for $25 off any service. Call Roto-Rooter, 601-353-3333. That's 601-353-3333. Call Roto-Rooter, that's the name. And a troubles down the drain. Roto-Rooter. What if there was a paint that could awaken something as old as that Rip Van Winkle guy? Hey, what? Because it could adhere to the most weathered exteriors and completely restore its youth. Hey, there's hair on my head again. If a paint could give any time-worn surface stunning new life, is it still paint? Regal Select Exterior from Benjamin Moore. Paint like no other. Seabrook Paints in Jackson and Ridgeland. Visit SeabrookPaints.com. From the very beginning, and every workday since, at every shift, and every individual effort, we carry a common purpose, a common cause. It's a duty we proudly honor, knowing behind every product we build is your faith in us, dedicated to the craft of gun making, dedicated to your freedom, equality, security, and the promise of this great country. Smith & Wesson, empowering Americans. Learn more at smith-wesson.com. 
Hey, I'm here with Alex Murray of Auto Innovation. At Auto Innovation, we want to change your car buying experience. When you're in the market for a quality pre-owned vehicle, please come see us. We want to make friends, not just customers. All eligible vehicles are inspected by a master tech mechanic and come with a limited powertrain warranty on us. We are located on Highway 51 in Ridgeland. Come by, see us, or check out our inventory online at autoinnovation.net. Let us change your car buying experience. Auto Innovation, Highway 51 in Ridgeland. Hi, this is Thomas Trammell with Family Termite, and I have an important message for you. After this year's record-breaking snowstorm, termites will most likely be swarming in historical numbers in an effort to recolonize and replace parts of their colonies, ravished by the extreme weather. Family Termite offers free termite initial inspections and competitive pricing. Call Family Termite today at 601-933-1014 and let us protect your home, because we hate termites more than you do. Today it's enchiladas. Thank you very much. But that's just me. What are you cooking today? Hmm. Something from the garden, I hope. I, I have to tell you, there's a, a yet another mystery novel, um, movie, screenplay, something to be written here. An abandoned Caribbean colony unearthed centuries after it had been forgotten and a case of mistaken identity in the archaeological record have conspired that's right, to rewrite the history of one particular island called Asatiga, which is off the coast of Virginia and Maryland. How did that all happen? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think this is interesting. Um, I grew up with people who who rode horses and raised horses and whatnot, and you notice I say I grew up with them. I, I'm not a horse person myself. Love them. They're great. Just doesn't happen to be my thing. Um, but but my my family raised horses and, and among other things, and they loved them. There were many stories told to us about horses in America and and horses and how horses got here and when they when they came and all that sort of stuff. And it, it generally. The idea for their spread comes in many ways from an idea of a shipwreck that had horses on it, okay, going from one place to another, um, Spanish galleon particularly. Well, in this particular case, the unrelated bits and pieces of this seem to be coming together. There was not a Spanish galleon off the coast of Virginia and Maryland. However, it turns out there have been, of course, um, feral horses, wild horses on that island forever. And back looking through something else down in the Caribbean, this fellow was working on a cow tooth. That's right, a cow tooth fossil. And it turned out not to be a cow tooth fossil, despite the fact that it was the subject of much uh, research and, and working on his, uh, working on her um, PhD project. But what is all of this about? Well, it was actually one that belonged to a horse. And by DNA matching and whatnot, we were able to understand that since this came from one of Spain's first colonized settlements on the town of Hispanola, um, Puerto Real was established in 1507 
and it was for years and years and years the last port of call for ships sailing from the Caribbean. Um, eventually, there were a lot of things that caused the Spanish to consolidate, and all of that changed, and the, the location shifted at the in the late 1500s. But the abandoned town remained there, and it was destroyed, but it still had lots of, you know, the history gets buried. And that's where they found this, what they thought was a cow tooth, that links directly through this particular DNA effort to the horses on Atatiga. Pretty fun stuff. I, I'm, I'm not. I can't say that I'm going to spend my life doing all that, but I really like. Um, I really like having the opportunity to read what other people do. Let's see. Um, talking about that, the the tree with the black mold on it, the the crepe myrtle bark scale probably on it. The um, raised bed around it, thirty feet, three feet rather, by eight feet, and he grows tomatoes there. So did he have they they got early blight and didn't do as well as they could have is that related not necessarily but the the shade of the crepe myrtle if it impinged on the tomatoes could have set them up for blight or it could have just been the, where the water was dripping off of them and bouncing off the soil and back up onto the plants which is where we generally think of blight as coming from um, is there something I need to do to the soil to prevent the mustards from getting the blight that I'm going to plant in there next I don't think so I, I'm certainly as long as your drainage is good and you've, you've got an adequate supply of lime there you know that you're not going to need to change the pH or anything like that I believe it's really just a matter of letting a little air get to it before you plant I don't think you're going to have the same problem um, it does doesn't ever hurt when preparing a bed that has had blight in it of one sort or another whether you think your next plant is susceptible enough it never really hurts to drench that particular bed with a fungicide just as a preventative practice because it it cannot you can't stop it once it starts but you can um, slow it down and you can also forestall future damage so that would be my suggestion okay that would be my suggestion um Everybody has an opinion. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Astronomers at MIT um, have have brought us the latest in fast radio bursts, and I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> Do we have time to talk to Lawrence? Um, and I'm not sure where you are, Lawrence. What's going on? Hey, Lawrence. Hello, Lawrence. Hello. Hey, what's up? Hello, last summer I called you about a small catalpa tree that a child had stepped on one of its major limbs and broken it down into about halfway into the halfway one side of the of the trunk of the tree. And you said I should wrap it with gauze and leave it that way and see how it does. Well it is it has survived into this summer and has grown and I'm wondering should I take the gauze off and see how it's healing. Yes, absolutely. Because I have a feeling it's doing great, but let's make sure. Uh, if it's starting to start to cover that that injury, should I leave it open? I would use this opportunity to spray it with an insecticide, pesticide, fungicide combination, something like spinosad, or um, if the weather's okay for it, some neem or something, just something that's going to keep it from going any, if it has any problems, it's going to take care of them. But I expect that once you get some air to it, you're going to see even more growth. Spinosis. Spinosad. Spinosad. Okay. Mm-hmm. We started having some where it's been dry, but I can easily water the trees. Yes. It's not 
Good. Congratulations. I'm glad that it has survived. That's wonderful. Yes. Now that child doesn't have to feel guilty. (laughs) I remember riding my bicycle over a newly planted tree in my childhood, and it wasn't even in my family's yard, and I still wonder about that tree sometimes. (laughs) Thank you for calling, Lawrence, and letting me know. If there's any problems after you get it unwrapped, by all means, get in touch next week, okay? Thank you very much for that. That's a great report. And that's exactly what I do here. I try to give you my best advice. I've got a ton of experience, a ton of education, but even I'm not right all the time, believe you me. That's why I like hearing the feedback when I am, and I like hearing the feedback when I'm not so much. Um, That's interesting. Oh, that's pretty. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Love all those hydrangeas. They're so gorgeous. Beautiful. I do love hydrangeas. So let me let me just quickly tell you about this fast radio burst because we got to get out of here. Um, this one is so regular that it, we're we're actually trying to figure out where it came from. And, and usually they're not as regular or they don't go on for as long. But this one is coming from apparently somewhere in the neutron star world. Um, extremely dense, rapid spinning, collapsed cores, and they do send out r- pulses. But the question is always, um, yeah, started off blue. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. Let me, okay, stop about this. I'll get that because I'm going to run out of time. Yes, Dave from Ripley, it is the same plant. That's how those flowers age. Your blue hydrangeas will age into green and tan. And in my case, in some parts of them, sort of a purplish kind of an odd color because it has been just so hot this summer. But, yes, you can, and you can also prune at that time, too. Okay? Okay. Um, but they, I mean, it looks great. It's beautiful. And no, it's not too late to get tomatoes going, but you better hurry up in central Mississippi. Well, that finishes us up today. We'll save some things for next week. Be listening for that radio heartbeat. You might need to be knowing about it. Lots of stuff going on in your garden. I hope so. Let's talk about it next week here on Weekend Gardening. Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of TeleSouth Communication. This is Jake Mangum. It's great to be on a team that is based in Mississippi. It's important to me that my team supports our high schools, universities, and several local events throughout the state. Of course, I'm talking about my home team, Farm Bureau Insurance. If you aren't already with Farm Bureau, it's time to join the team. Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive safe. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know. 
The driveway basketball hoop, including the base, weighs around 400 pounds. Something you probably do know, there's a windstorm coming. Something you probably don't know, a basketball hoop tipping over can poke a hole in a car roof like a can opener. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Ask Sherwin-Williams during the summer fun sale, July 29th through August 8th, and get 35% off paints and stains with prices starting at $27.29. That means 35% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And, of course... 35% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your local Sherwin-Williams store. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.